Hey, welcome back. We are glad you're here. Don't touch that dial. You are in the right place if you're looking for inspiration, motivation, encouragement. Uh, we have it for you here at Last in Line Podcast, where we are teaching guys how to not only charge the mountain and be the tip of the spear in leadership, but also to be the kickstand that props people up and empowers and encourages other leaders to be the best version of the leader within them. We are all leaders. We all have influence. And as it says in Mark 9.35, he who wants to be first will be the last of all and servant of all. That's what Last in Line podcast is about. And I hope you walk away different than when you turned on this podcast. I hope you walk away with the revelation that you were called to lead, that you were called to have influence, and that you were called to serve. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to welcome a new friend of mine, um, new connection, man of faith, follower of Christ. His name's Josh Kashadorian. He has spent most of his um, career in the medical field, in leadership, corporate America, working for a medical company, doing training, doing sales, doing management, and has been there for a long time and knows what leadership looks like, knows what servant leadership looks like. He is uh, the host of Raising the Standard podcast. He's an author of a book called The Standard, Discovering Jesus as the Standard of Masculinity. Um, he is going to expand on some of the principles he covers, some of the, I guess there's six masculine traits uh, that Jesus exemplifies, and he's going to unpack some of that for us. And we're going to talk about his career, how to lead in secular workplace as a Christian, how to live the example, some of the challenges that come with that. And he's going to talk a lot about masculinity, a lot about his faith, a lot about his um, view and outlook on what the world looks like, what the world needs, what men need to do to step up. So this is going to be exciting. Hope you enjoy it. Leave us a rating and review. Follow us on Instagram, last underscore in underscore line underscore leadership. Email us at lastinlineleadership at gmail.com. Now, let's get to the stage. Mr. Josh Kashadorian to Last In Line Podcast. Hey, I'd like to welcome Jay, uh, Josh Kashadorian to Last In Line Podcast. How's it John, going? John, it's, it's an honor to be here, man. I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me on. You know, we talked like five or six times in the last like three days. I almost called you Jason. I don't even know why. I think because I did a recording last week that was with a guy named Jason. I almost called you a different name. But no, Josh, uh, glad you're here, man. Uh, we connected pretty quickly, uh, uh, reached out, and you reached out, I think, to me. And then we kind of hit it off, have a little bit of the same background in, in uh, healthcare, uh, in pharmaceuticals, different things like that. So uh, I want to kind of, before I get into your background, man, um, I want to get to know you a little bit further for the audience and things that I haven't asked you yet. So I'm going to ask you a couple things might catch you off guard, but you might be okay with it. So let's just roll with a couple little lightning round questions here just to break the ice. What do you think? Uh, I'm game, man. Bring it. All right. Let's do it. All right, buddy. So you're, you're a fit guy. I can tell you're a fit guy. You and I both lift weights. Um, you may have played some competitive sports in high school, college, uh, but you have one meal. 
you know, one last meal. It can be anything. Money's no object. Okay. You're, you're probably a protein guy, but what is, I mean, you can have anything. It can be whatever you want. What, what is going to be your one meal that you can end this world with? Bro, if you gave me a question like that, I'm going to stack that meal with a bunch of different food. So like, I would just keep going on and on, but to make this simple, um, I would go with, I'd, I'd go with a bone and ribeye for sure. And then, you know, my, my other passion, I consider myself a connoisseur in this area would be pizza. So I'm a big pizza guy. That's my, that's my food of choice. If I'm cheating or just eating what I want, uh, I'm from New York. I lived in the city for five years, so I know good pizza. I'm always hunting for trying different places. So, uh, I love it. Yeah, no, you're speaking my language, the bone and ribeye. I'd have, probably have to add, four or five lobster tails to that and then right. go from there. But I got to ask you, so being a New York guy, you're, you're yeah. probably right, right up my alley with pizza, thin crust folded in half. Am I right? Yeah, man. I'm a thin crust guy. Fold it I, mean, up. I, like a, okay. I like a brick oven, you know, where they flash it. You know, I, I had the chance to go to Italy, John, and um, you know, the way you really cook a pizza, it's just, you get that oven to a thousand degrees and you flash it for about 90 seconds. It's thin, fresh moots on top, you know, a good, sauce with some San Marzano tomatoes and, and I'm good to go. And I actually, nice. I got a pizza oven for myself. Actually it was a father's day gift for my family last year. So I fire that baby up every once in a while and I'm trying to perfect the craft when I can. Very good. Very good. Well, we'll have to get a couple of recipes at the end, maybe. Um, okay. So second one, this is a faith podcast. We know this. We're both men of God. We're followers of Christ. Uh, but I got to go with who's your favorite secular band uh favorite secular band you know i'll stick with uh someone i always loved since high school saw him in concert um i'm a big lenny kravitz fan you know ah. i just like some good rock you know there's some different influences within his music that i, I really like yeah he i mean he was big i don't know is he still i don't even know if he's still doing stuff i think he's still cranking stuff out yeah i, I do like that guy he is he's unique i like his voice um Man, I was an 80s kid, and I, I don't know if I hate to assume too much about age, but you might have grown up in the 80s as well. But uh, yeah, I, I was the I was the the rocker too. Just kind of uh, that's my workout music. I will that's my guilty pleasure for working okay. out. Either that or building 429 or skillet. It's one of those groups. But all right. uh, awesome. All right, man. So your biggest last one here, but your biggest pet pet peeve, man. What what drives you kind of? crazy like we're talking about i'll just give you an example i'll be transport traffic okay bad traffic bad drivers left lane is mine it's my personal oh, yeah. lane i own it um they don't know that but so what's your biggest pet peeve uh, that's a good one man i mean that that's one of my things is you know drive right pass left you know keep that left lane open but um, i won't use that one because that's your so my biggest pet peeves in relationships and meeting someone is when someone is so self-focused and they're not truly listening and they only want to be heard. Mm. Um, that's a tough way to start a relationship. And I got to watch that in myself too, right? So it's a, it's a give and take where I got to check myself in the mirror. Uh, but there's a great uh, Jim Collins quote that I think he, he has in Good to Great, where he talks about be more interested than interesting nice i think if we all take that on 
then uh, we can build some good, deep, genuine relationships. That's perfect. That's a great answer. Uh, hadn't had that answer before, uh, but that's a good one. I like that because, I mean, in a world that we live in now, too, it's all about telling my story, right? My brand. It's all about how much can I talk? And you and I have been in sales long enough to know that uh, people that are real successful usually let the customer do 80% of the talking, right? So um, speaking of sales, speaking of career, man, just give us an idea of kind of your background, how you made it up through the ranks. Cause I know you've made it to sort of the pinnacle of leadership in a, in big corporations. And now you're, you know, you're in charge of some folks and doing some leadership uh, roles. So what, talk about your career and kind of that journey for you. Yeah. Thanks, John. I appreciate the opportunity. So my backstory for everyone listening is um, I'm going to go right before I entered into the corporate arena. I was an entrepreneur and I still am, but I started my, my own business and um, this is right out of college. I partnered with a business partner who was a family member, um, got into the fitness equipment business. Fitness has always been a passion of mine. We saw an opportunity. Um, so we kind of partnered together and started a fitness equipment store. I sold everything you can think of to outfit a home gym and other gyms as well. So commercial, vertical markets, all that stuff. I sold supplements and you know, I was, I was living the dream there and I built it from one store up into three locations over the course of five years. And what I, I learned a lot of lessons during that time. I learned what to do. I learned a lot of what not to do. I would do it totally different if I did that again. But during the course of that time as an entrepreneur in brick and mortar, this was before social media, this is yellow page ads. This is all traditional stuff. And um, doing that business for a while, it was seasonal in upstate New York. So it wasn't always busy year round. And I was looking, I didn't see a huge future in it. I knew that God was moving me into something different. There was something in my heart to move on to the next thing. And um, I didn't see a huge future with where I was in that moment in time. And it was really based on, you know, the wisdom of counselors and leaning into the Lord. So I wasn't just looking to run away from anything, but um, some new doors were opening. And that's when I made a pursuit and I broke away from the business that I started and I entered the pharmaceutical industry. And that required a move. That required leaving everything I've known. I was with my, I was married to my wife for about a year at that point. And we decided together to make the move early in our marriage. And we moved down to New York City. And that was my first territory. And I've been in the company I'm with right now, going on 17 years in six different um, roles that I've taken on from, you know, entry-level sales, especially sales to training, to um, being a sales manager, to leadership and development, to all sorts of different account management roles. So that's the short, that's the short story well, right there. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, to. Let me step in there too, because yeah. for those that don't know, and I'm in healthcare sales and medical industry as well, you don't just apply to a job posting for that industry with no experience in that industry and just get a interview automatically. Like to, to, for Josh to have gotten the interview, first of all, and then to get the job and then to excel through the, the, the corporate ranks like he has, that's not a little thing. I just want people to understand that. Like it's not an automatic, right? It's not just, Oh, got an interview in pharmaceutical. No, it's, it's a hard business to break into, you know? And so that's, that's a testament to you. What do you think about yourself kind of gave you that opportunity or how did you sell yourself or for those listening that maybe you're trying to make a transition that they don't uh, feel qualified for? What, what was it about you that made them pull the trigger? Yeah, that's a great story. So I'm going to give a testimony here. I'm going to tell you how God orchestrated these doors that were in front of me and how I navigated this. So 
You're right. Number one, John, is it's tough to get into this industry. And I was on the um, the interviewee side of the table more than once. I had interviewed right out of school. That was my dream job. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in pharma sales, uh, mostly because I had someone in my life who's like a big brother who did it. I looked up to him and I'm like, I want to do what you do. So I tried to do that right out of school, made it to like the second interview or so, third interview, I think. And um, the door closed. It just didn't open for me. I was a little rough around the edges. I was right out of school. And in hindsight, I'd say I wasn't really ready at that point. Um, so yeah, I had the door closed in my face for multiple sales jobs, right? And then I took this other, you know, diversion, this, this door open to, to partner and start that business I just spoke of earlier. And then I, I felt this itch. I felt this itch that the Lord wanted to move me on to something else, that it was time to move to the next thing. And to give you some more context here, I had reached out to a friend of mine who was in to this person. So it's not like we talk all the time. And I was just exploring opportunities at this point. I was thinking, hey, I wonder if I even have a shot. I knew I had to move to the next thing, but I wasn't sure how to do it or what to do. So I just left a voicemail and I said, hey, I'm thinking about pharma again. I just want to see, could you, could you check out my resume? Would you take a look at it and tell me if, you know, what you think? I don't even know if I have a shot. And fast forward a couple of days later. Okay. So guys, I'm going to, I'm going to share a dangerous prayer that you need to be very careful if you want to pray this, this works and God will take you very seriously if you say this, but be prepared for what happens after. So I was praying with my wife in the living room and we were just, uh, we were newly married. We had a lot of excitement and, you know, vision about what our future is going to look like. But at the same point, I kind of felt trapped, like, hey, what is the next thing? Mm -hmm. And we just prayed a desperate prayer. It was a desperate prayer, John. I was like, Lord, um, you can do whatever you want to do. Like, yeah. do whatever you want to do in my life. Like, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. <laughs> I don't want to do it my own way. Um, and we were both in agreement. It was one of those passionate prayers. That's gutsy, now, man. It's it's crazy. That's gutsy. <laughs> now, when I was praying that, it won't always happen like this, but this is my story. When I was praying that prayer, like in this prayer meeting with my wife, the phone rang. And so I remember like looking at her and saying, hey, um, you know, it's one of those things like, hey, should we get it? Should we keep praying? Like, she's like, no, I think you should get it. So I, I picked up the phone. And it was the gentleman that I called a few days earlier. So remember, I just got done saying, come on, man. Come on, man. And uh, it was my buddy on the phone. And he said, hey, uh, he didn't even care about my resume. He's like, hey, I am now a manager and I have a spot open in Brooklyn. And he's like, why don't you come interview for it? And it wasn't even like, hey, do you want to know what's been going on in my life the last couple of years? He just like invited me, like, you should come check this out. So the door opened immediately. And I went, I talked to him and I went back to my wife and I said, uh, it's in Brooklyn. I'm like, we did just get done saying we'd go anywhere. <laughs> it wasn't really on my mind when I prayed that prayer. So he's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so from there, it was a lot of prayer. Um, it was the, the wisdom of other counselors and mentors in my life. It was talking and making sure that I had green lights in front of me, really listening to where's the Lord leading us. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I went on that interview and it was, wow. it was phenomenal. It was just, it's a story to tell. I mean, I was there in the room and, you know, 
John, your listeners will know this, you'll know this, but there's times in your life where you can feel, we know God's always with us, but there's times where you can feel his tangible presence. There's just an anointing there. Yep. Like I, I feel God, like he's in this place. And during my job interview, I felt that. I felt the Lord's presence show up strong. And not only did I feel it, the person across the table, the, the RBD, the regional business director at the time felt it as well. And he kept saying, what is it about you? What is it about you? And he's trying to figure it out. Cause he's like, I like you, but he's like, what's your dad? Like, is it your father? Like, tell me his work ethic. Tell me he's trying to pinpoint what was happening. And I knew what was happening. I was like, he he's feeling the anointing right now. Yeah. And I just, cooperated. I went through the interview and, um, you know, and from there, it, you know, just talking about the ascending levels of leadership, um, you know, the Lord positioned me, you know, the, the word says promotion comes from the Lord. So what I did was I submitted my work ethic, my behaviors, and I happened to get performance that followed that, that opened up doors. I was in the right place at the right time with a growing company. Um, I had a lot of favor, you know, Jesus, it says in the word that Jesus had favor with God and with man. So that's something yeah. that I've always prayed is yeah. give me favor for the assignment you have for me. And that's what opened up. And that's, that's, that, that kind of led that's me awesome. to where we are now. That's awesome. Cause I mean, aside from being an entrepreneur and having your own business there for a minute uh, on paper, I don't know that it made a whole lot of sense. You may not have even been the most qualified on paper for that particular job, but God was moving you into a position that he knew you would eventually kind of have influence in that organization and you're the kind of guy he wants having influence. Right. And so, uh, that's just, I mean, that's a great story because during the prayer, you got the phone call. That's even bigger. You can't really yeah. make this, make this stuff up. That's incredible, that. man. Um, yeah, you know, well, and when you, when you talk about background, I'll just say really quickly, one of the things that we do, it's one of the things I do now, it's something I've done throughout my career. Um, you know, it doesn't so matter. It, it, it can, in this industry, it does matter about your skill and your background. But one of the things that I go by is hire will and train skill. So I'm looking nice. for someone that's hungry. So, right. That's what I brought to the table is an attitude of like, I'll do anything. I'm going to win. I'm going to succeed. And um, I'll get trained on all the other stuff. You can train me. I'll learn it. I'll mm -hmm. learn it backwards and forwards, but just let me at it and give me a shot. So that goes yeah. a long way when we're talking to guys that are listening to this that are like, Hey, how do I jump in to what I want to do? Like you can't yeah. be will you can train skill, That's true. but it's much harder. You can't really train will you either have it or you don't. That's true. And, and it goes right back to that, that same old adage that I've heard is, you know, uh, out, what is it? Outwork. Let's see. What is it? Hustle beats talent when talent doesn't hustle, something like right. that. And I probably butchered that, but you get it. Um, but yeah, I want somebody that's got a little grind in them. That's got a little, maybe bow their neck and, and maybe not the smartest, but you can't out heart them. And so, uh, that's who I want. And sounds like that's kind of what you convinced them that you were, uh, so, we're going to get to your main sure. gig now, or, you know, on the side, your, your podcast and your book, you, you have a podcast called raising the standard. And then you wrote a book called the standard. And we're going to get to that in a minute, but I want to maybe set some context with where we're going to go in this conversation, because you and I being corporate guys and the podcast is sort of our, our passion project. You know, we feel like we're in obedience to what God's wanting us to talk about in the voice we have. But man, I, I've lived this, so I know it's a real thing, and maybe you have too, but I want you to expand on Christian guys in a secular work environment, okay? We're in mainstream corporate America. There's a battle going on. Now, not only a spiritual battle, because the enemy would love nothing more than to just derail our spiritual journey. Talk about some of the challenges maybe you had, because you grew up in a Christian home, I know that, and 
you know, I've been a Christian for, I guess, going on, I don't know, uh, 16 years, I guess. No, 17, 18. So it, it, it's not a new thing to either one of us, but it's, it's an ongoing battle, right? So what makes it hard for guys that are Christian to really pronounce their faith, really walk in that, or is it even hard? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it can be challenging, right? We're always going to be challenged with where we go and what we do. Um, so, I mean, first things first, John, I mean, we really have to know who we are. It's always going to be difficult if you, you're not operating out of identity. So we have to really be secure in our sonship, you know, and who mm. we are as sons of God. And that's really what empowers us to go into the arenas of life, the spheres of influence that are given to us and to, and to take territory there, to rise in the ranks and to influence versus be, in, be influenced, right? So I'm really inspired by, you know, men in the Bible that, that did this. You know, the Bible's full of, of what we would call business guys or business leaders, government leaders, people that rose, to the, rose through the ranks in a world system to bring solutions and to exert influence to expand the kingdom of God. And I think of Joseph, right? Like he's a perfect textbook example for someone who he stored well, he went through a process, um, he was given different positions, he was tested in all those different levels, and he didn't fail. And because of that, he, he represents something that's a type of Christ. That's actually what he represents mm -hmm. in his Old Testament role. We see this with Daniel as well. These are guys that rose through the ranks. So it depends on your attitude as you go into your job. You know, here's one thing that's really, I guess, another pet peeve, right? So this is what I see right now when I look at the landscape of Christianity and Christian men. And it's not all their fault. Um, some of it's due to just mixed messages, bad teaching, bad examples, and just not knowing. Um, but we have a, an epidemic now of guys that confess their weakness, and they're finding their identity in a, being a sinner. Like, hey, I'm constantly messing up. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know, like, yeah. actually, I, I was at a men's meeting. This was before I wrote the standard. And I was just listening at the table of guys sharing their struggle. And it was, the, it, dude, it was pretty bad. It was like very defeated. This was not an energy. This, this was not a good energy at the table. This was like, Hey man, let's just keep trying another week. You know, let's, let's, let's just keep trying our hardest. We, you know, it's like, we can like, it's tough out there, but we'll just keep doing our best. I'm like, wow, this, this doesn't sound like an overcoming life. Yeah, <laughs> This yeah. doesn't sound like being more than a conqueror. And so there is an attitude out there that says, Hey, I'm, I'm just a sinner. I'm always messing up. And if you find your identity in that, if that's what you're confessing and you don't have a vision for what you're called to do or what you're supposed to do, or that you can actually shine the light where you are, then you're never going to step into that in its fullness. So you first have to start with a vision of like, you know, here's the other thing too, you know, guys are waiting to be rescued for the next thing. Like, what's the next thing? Like, I just want to get through this. Let me get through this season. Let me get through this job. When's the next promotion? When's the next door going to open for me? Well, God uses seasons in our life to test us. And you have to, there's this principle of stewardship that you have to manage where you are first. And if you do well, then you get promoted. Then you go to the next level. So how are you viewing your circumstances? If you're viewing it like, I got to get out of here, or I'm just trying to survive, or let me just make it another day, then you're never really going to progress to the next level. Yep. Yep. For sure. And I mean, I've, I've lived that. I mean, I've said those exact words sometimes early on in my walk was I'm just trying to make it like, you know, I, it's such a grind. And, you know, especially if, if you've had a past like I do, 
you you sort of revert back to those memories and some of that old you, you know, and the Bible talks about we're we're new creations. So there's an old man, he dies, yeah. and so we have this new spirit man that we live in. But let's be honest, it's not always easy to operate in the fullness of that if you're me and I've suffered through that. But to hear you say that, like I get it because that's what defeats guys is when we speak death over it, you know, life and death in the power of the tongue. Right. So, I mean, if we're speaking that over it, how do we expect to win when we're constantly just giving ourselves permission to do that next wrong thing so we can circle back in this perpetual I'm just a fill in the blank. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, so that's a, that's a problem for guys. And, and what's been your biggest challenge? Would you say just personally, because you've had leadership roles, you know, and, and I would assume in your company, I know in mine, not, you know, there's not a believer on every street corner or every conference call is not full of Christ followers. So, I mean, talk to me how you've set that example. Yeah. So we have to embrace something. So you said something really critical there. You talked about winning. And we have to look at that, that we're, you know, we're not just following a rule book or formulas or principles only. There are principles within the kingdom of yeah. God, but we have a relationship. So we operate out of a relationship. And you said the word win, and that resonated with me because God wants us to win. So we have to start looking at, he wants us to do well. He wants us to be an example. His desire is that we would exert influence versus be influenced. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about just earthly success, although I don't have a problem with that. I believe yeah. God wants us to prosper yeah. and be an example to others. Um, so we can define further what success is. It's not only money and possessions and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But when you embrace that, that God wants me to be successful, he wants me to win. He put me here for a reason then we have to pursue that and walk that out. So, you know, to your question on what are the challenges, the challenges are now when you're in the world system and you're in it, you're not of it, but you're in it, um, you have to navigate what's that look like? What's it look like for me? Um, How do I be a witness here? And it's not always so clear. So I'll drop two terms on you, which really helped me is that sometimes, you know, we think of shining our light and we think of being a witness is always and only overt that -hmm. I have to open my mouth and I have to witness, I have to, you know, carry a Bible with me or, or do that. So, and there is a time and place for that. And I believe there is a place where we have to be overt. Um, So we, we have to do that. However, there's this other thing that we see, and I'll give it to you from scripture. You know, we talked about Joseph. We talked about Daniel. These guys were like snuck into the earth systems, the world systems, right? They didn't come in, you know, announcing who they were. They, they were given different names, different identities. Daniel actually learns how to speak the language of the Chaldean. So he blends in, he excels, he stands out. And it's kind of covert until the right time where he reveals himself And then he says, this is why I'm here. And he can interpret dreams. And he breaks in with his full identity in the fullness at the right time. Mm -hmm. So let's embrace this. There's going to be times I'm covert. And that's when I'm doing things by my example, my leadership style, my words. People might notice, hey, you know, I'm not against you if you drink or anything, but people might notice, hey, you don't get drunk. I notice that you're not like indulging like everyone here. It's an open bar. Like, what's up with you? You don't drink? Yep. What's happening? Right. And then the other thing is, hey, I notice you don't swear. I notice you don't do this. So there's that. And that can be a witness. Your leadership style can be a witness. You know, we we both believe, and you're big on this, this is what the theme of your podcast is, 
It's a big theme in my life, and I write about it a lot in the standard, and we see it in the life of Jesus, this theme of servant leadership. So we can be a servant leader versus egotistical leaders, which there's plenty of those in every corporation and every business. So these are different ways covertly that you can exert your influence. And then I also think there's a time to speak. I do think there's a time to speak out because, uh, you know, there there is that quote that's out there by one of the old church fathers, uh, someone during the Reformation, I can't think of it now, but um, it basically was, you know, always witness and when you when you need to use your words. Um, I get the point of that. I don't love that quote because I think sometimes if we don't open our mouth, someone never gets the full truth. So I think yeah. you need to do both, but it's discerning and it's understanding what's that look like? How do I walk this out? When do I speak? When do I show restraint and just model yeah. things? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, no, I get it. And and I, I feel like chapter and verse has a place like um, to reinforce maybe something that we're living or some, you know, some things we might proclaim that might not be as overt, like you said, like kind of like a lawyer present, you know, they're they're talking in into trial, but then they use this precedent when they need it. Right. So I think we can go to scripture if we need to whenever we have a conversation, but I don't necessarily think that always opens a door for conversation, if that makes any sense. So in those secular environments, I don't know, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think you have to beat anyone up with a Bible. I mean, yeah. I, I share the Bible all the time, but people may not realize where it's coming from, or it might be mm -hmm. a principle or it might be a story. So there's lots of different ways. It doesn't have to be, you know, whatever your background is or your religious context, like, oh, it's this really rigid thing. It's not. I mean, here's the thing, you know, John, this is what I'll say, you know, following the Lord, following Jesus, like look at the, look at the disciples, they follow him and they embark on an adventure. Like every day, they must be wondering, like, I wonder what's going to happen today. Like, where yeah, are we right. going? Like, what are we going to do? Like, this is exciting. So that's the way we should embrace life and we should look at it. And we see Jesus model this for us. And this is why we got to be careful with formulas. We're talking about principles here, but, you know, every morning Jesus was in prayer and he was seeking the will of his father, modeling close communion you know, a real relationship where God wants to lead us. This is yeah. what Jesus is, is, is teaching us through his actions and his words. And then he'll later say, I only do those things I see my father doing. So my personal belief is every morning when he was praying, he was seeing what his father was doing. What are we going to do today? Who are we going to heal today? Who are we going to reach today? And that's an adventure. And that's what we're invited into. So I wonder what today's going to hold. Am I going to meet with someone? And maybe you have a day where it's not super eventful, but still there's a process happening there. So that's the way I look yeah. at my work. I look at it like, all right, what are we doing today? Where are we going? And like all of a sudden, you know, uh, it's it seems like it's just a regular day. And then you're on a phone call or you're in a room and you're like, wow, there's potential in this room to shift everything. Okay. Yeah. So this is wild, like it's a suddenly moment. And there's a lot of suddenlies throughout scripture. So yeah. when you signed yeah. up for the Christian life, it's definitely an adventure. Yeah, it's for sure. And and luckily I've got, you know, and you might as well have some guys that you know are believers at these meetings. Cause you know, like we all go to these big corporate meetings, you know, once or twice a year. And there's plenty of room for us to be distracted. There's plenty of temptation. There's plenty of, you know, uh, landmines, if you will, uh, spiritually in those environments, but it's good to have that group of guys that you can sort of hold accountable. But I would say too, to your point of the witness, um, in a world today, and this might be for somebody listening that's struggling on how to maybe 
infuse their faith in a conversation, you know, you know, maybe a little more covertly, um, a lot of negativity out there, right? I mean, if you sit down at a table, a group of people, you're going to most likely hear something negative about politics, about corporate leadership, about money, something in the world that's negative is going to come up. And I think just being a positive voice and just, you know, one of those simple things like, you know, I think, you know, we got a bigger picture out there. There's, there's something good we can do. There's something good we can contribute to a, a dark world. You know, there's, it's a bigger than this guys, you know, something like that. It's not all just about this life. And so I don't know, those are some of the little things, but hopefully, you know, there's, there's ways for people that can do what you're saying and have that witness, even if it's a little bit subtle sometimes and just open the door for conversation. But let me transition here because, uh, well, I tell you what, before I do, I got to ask, did you grow up mo- with that modeled from your dad, from your parent? Like, did you have a strong dad faith figure that you just kind of looked up to and saw the courage that he had? And that's kind of just what you followed in? In terms of like sharing your, your faith, faith, just either sharing your faith or just knowing what a good Christian, because you grew up in a Christian home. So knowing what those solid morals, that solid principle is just that, just the courage to walk that road, even though other people might not be. Yeah, that's good. Um, great question. So my mom was really, when I was growing up, my, both my parents are Christian, mm-hmm. um, but my dad wasn't engaged at church. He, he really worked a lot. So my mom really raised me spiritually. Now the Lord always brought men into my life. There was mm-hmm. always big brothers or youth group leaders um, or people that I looked up to, different relationships that I had um, that were there for me. But my father, he was he was present, he was there, but he wasn't super engaged at church. And I actually talk about this um, in the standard. We talk about there's different levels of leadership that fathers have, and there's some that are present, but they're not present there as spiritual leaders. So I will say that growing up, my father was a great leader by example. He was a super hard worker. He provided for all of our needs. Um, he's a great man of character. If I went anywhere, people knew who my dad yeah. was. Um, he was acts of service. You know, he took care of the neighborhood and shoveled people's driveway. So I got a lot from my father. He's awesome. And we have an awesome relationship and he is back in church and he's engaged now with his faith. And, and yeah. I just want to honor him because he's phenomenal for what That's I saw good. in my life. But on the faith side, um, no, he was, he was absent there a little bit. You know, he got yeah. caught the typical men thing, the cycle where, you know, we go to work. It's easy for all of us to do that. Go to work, unplug or, you um you get turned off with some stuff you see at church so you unplug for a little bit um so yes and no to your answer you know i i've I've had good male leadership and i've gotten it from different places for different elements of it yeah that's good no that's a good i mean i like that answer because i mean it sounds very similar to what i came up in because i didn't come up in a in a home that practiced faith and disciplines of reading and praying and those kinds of things. Didn't go to church, but maybe once a year. Um, but I had that dad you're talking about, you know, he was a Marine in Vietnam. He was a captain and he was a hard nosed football coach, baseball coach. And he was, you know, just a hard nosed guys, oldest of five siblings. And so, you know, it's just great. I learned so many, probably 90% of who I am today. I learned from, you know, him and my mom who actually, you know, was helpful in, in teaching me some of the other ways of servant leadership and selflessness and compassion. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, that faith side, I'm with you. I was lacking a little bit there, but um, yeah, later in life, I think my dad more kind of navigated back toward that. Um, so yeah, you mentioned the book. Uh, you wrote a book called The Standard. 
Um, you have a podcast called Raising the Standard. Um, man, you, you talk about six dimensions of masculinity. And I like this. Um, and, you know, not just something you made up either. You, you used maybe the, not maybe, the best model out there. So, right, demonstrated by Jesus of all people. So I guess when did the light kind of go on for you uh, that you needed to to take some of this voice you had, get it on paper and get it out to the masses. What, what, what made you write that book? And, and I guess, what have you seen sort of the ripple effect be from it? Yeah. Well, John, it's uh it's been a, it's been a journey and it's been a progression. So I'm going to share this in a way uh, where I let you into it, but I also want your listeners to hear that, um, you know, there's a journey for all of us. There's a mountain for every man. There's, there's a, a promised land, there's territory that we're supposed to take. And part of that journey is, you know, exploring your purpose with God. And as you step out, there's always a challenge. It always, always requires faith. It always requires you to overcome fear. And that's basically my story. So I started, you know, here's, here's how the book started is I was reading the gospels. It's probably back in 2016. I was just doing a deep dive and I was just going through, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I was, you know, now because we've talked about this and we laid this foundation and, you know, you're, you're in the world, you're a leadership guy in the world. You understand um, leadership principles. And, you know, I've had all these experiences in my life of hiring people, of unfortunately letting people go sometimes of promoting people. And I've seen the best and you have too, because we get trained with the best models of leadership, the best models of sales and how to build trust and lead people because of the industry that we work in. And so it was with all these experiences that I'm now reading the Bible in 2016, I'm reading through the gospels and I'm not just focusing on the words of Jesus. I'm really looking at the whole scene, like just come to vivid color. And I'm seeing like, wow, look what Jesus did there. It's not just what he said, it's what he did. Look at the way he treats his team. Look at the way he built trust. Look at his EQ. And I was seeing all these things kind of pop off the page. And I'm like, Jesus is phenomenal at leadership. He's phenomenal with yeah. everything he's doing that we've learned. Jesus modeled it first. And I'm just watching the way he just, he just leads his life, his team, the example he sets, the model that he is, the blueprint that he gives us for how to live the Christian life. And I just started taking notes. I just like, you know what, I'm going to journal. And I just was journaling what I saw and just through that process, I was just, you know, I'm organizational. I'm like, that goes here, this goes here. I'm putting it into my own little you know, outline. And then one day I'm like, ah, I think I'll make this a devotional at some point or something. And then along this journey, I realized, I think this is a book and I think I need to release it. And then there was a, you know, a hesitancy too. There was like the whole discipline of getting it done, you know, and, and taking dominion over yourself to finish something you start because all of us and everyone listening here, including myself right now with other projects, it's easy to start. You can start anything. It's much harder to finish. So then mm -hmm. it became like, I need to finish this yeah. so I can take dominion over myself in this area and be a finisher. Because that's one of the ways you take dominion in life is by finishing what you start. And then it was a whole other thing too. I finished the book. And then I was like, okay, Lord, I'm good. I don't know what you want me to do with this. Cause I was real hesitant. I'm like, I'm not trying to build a brand. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. Um, so like where some people might run towards everything and say, look what I did. I actually hid for a little bit. And there was some fear there as well. And I was fear of putting yourself out fear of what will people think. And I kind of sat on the book for a little while. It was a couple months. This was in 2020. I finished it around March. 
And it was about June where I was just kind of waiting and kind of like we're in the pandemic at this point. And I heard uh, I heard a minister speak and it's like he was speaking directly to me and he gave a word and he just said, you know, some of you have something you're called to do and you have to do something this year during this time of being locked down. And if you don't do it, you're going to be circling for the next two years because you didn't obey the voice of the Lord. I'm like, okay, if the if God's saying this to me, it just resonated with me. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let my fear hold me back. So I feel like the Lord's saying this to me. I feel like it's a green light. So that's when I released it. And yeah. it's been a slow step after that, you know, okay, release it, then tell people you did it. And then, right. then it was the podcast. And, you know, then it was the point of, okay, should I tell people I have a podcast? So it's like all these steps for me, overcoming my fear, overcoming myself. What? Okay. So, cause we have very similar process <laughs> when it comes to the book and the, and the podcast and that whole time frame, really. And I would say, I mean, during COVID, I bet there was a lot of people in similar situations as us, you know, people wanting to have a voice, maybe a lot of podcasts started in 2020. I don't know, but we kind of have that same journey, but what talk to people about some of those emotions. Cause you mentioned the fear, uh, a little bit of apprehension, a little bit of imposter syndrome, they're calling it. Uh, so what, you know, help somebody now process some of those emotions and, and what sort of was your breakthrough moment besides the, the guy that you felt was speaking to you. I mean, had sure. you never heard that message, I still think you might've, you know, God would have probably laid that on you at some point. So what, what's a breakthrough moment for somebody listening right now for that? Well, well, number one, we have to understand. So I can admit that I'm a recovering perfectionist, right? So there's some guys out there and uh, we want things to be perfect. So we're always acquiring more knowledge. We think we have to get more ready. I probably have to read another book before I can do that. That's yeah. one category of men. It's not everybody, yeah. but I, I'm a big consumer of knowledge. And I'm like, I want to be an expert or I want to come off and make sure I have my stuff together. And that's not necessarily bad because I don't want to put out something that's got error in it. Right. So when I yeah. wrote the book, I handed yeah. it to pastors said, tell me if there's anything in here that you see that's an error or doesn't line up. Right. I was really diligent yeah. about if I'm going to put this out there, I want it to be biblically accurate. That's really important to me. But on the flip side, perfection usually is fear. It's just masked as perfection. There's a difference between perfection and excellence. You know, you can do things with the spirit of excellence and we should, and I do, but when it crosses over into perfection, that's when it's never quite good enough. I'm always tweaking. I can never release it. I just got to edit it a little bit more and I get stuck there. I, I want to ask you something about that because yeah. you just <laughs> triggered something in me. Is that a is that sort of a mechanism amongst people with that trait? Is it sort of that it gives me permission to not go forward because I can always lean on? Is it a crutch? I guess is a better way of asking. I'm a perfectionist, so therefore I never really have to, because that day will never come where I'm perfect. So is that just delaying something that I'm fearful of? Kind of to your point. Yeah, I think so. I think that perfectionism is a mask of fear. It's rooted in fear. So now we have to drill down. What's the fear? Like, why? Why does it have to be perfect? Why not just go? Why not tweak it after? If you find a mistake, fix it. Why not put it out there? Once yeah. you have the green light yeah. from God, right? Yeah. And um, it really comes down to fear. So for me, it was like the fear of man. What are people going to think? What if someone yeah. criticizes it? What if uh, someone I really respect finds out about it and they don't like it or whatever it might be, whatever that is for you. But men have this fear of failure is really what it comes down to. What if I don't succeed? What if it doesn't go well? And I've been used to 
for like the last 17 years of my life plus like everything's been going pretty good so i'm like mm-hmm. i don't want to have to start from square one like what if it doesn't mm-hmm. go well but everyone starts at square one when you start something new yeah. so i stepped out and i did it and every time i do something new it's overcoming that fear and knowing where that comes from. So now I have to lean on my security and my identity as a son that, you know, God's got me. And that if I'm called to do this, it doesn't matter what people say. And like, let's get biblical about this for a minute because Jeremiah is given a word from the Lord. He's a prophet. He's called to, to bring some strong messages to the nation. And God tells him in advance, don't look at their faces because you're not going to be encouraged. (laughs) You're called to do this and they're going to reject you and don't be deterred by the looks on their faces. That's pretty rough, right? So I think I can deal with putting myself out there. Like, so when the Lord calls you and he equips you, you just got to step into it because we're talking about a faith walk. If it doesn't take faith and I can do it in my own circumstance, I can do it in my own strength and I have to have every single thing perfect. Well, that's not faith, right? So sometimes you just got to step out and step through it. And that's the way you overcome it. That's for sure. That's for sure. I, I'm. I mean, I'm right there with you. I I struggle with some of the same things. I don't know that I'm a perfectionist in everything, but I think I may use that term loosely just to just to give myself a way out of stepping into an unknown situation or a fearful situation. But to your point, I've heard this. This would be the second time today that God has brought this up. But He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. Then I've heard that twice today. So I don't know, maybe he's trying to tell me something here, but uh, no, it's all about obedience. Um, and like you said, when you know that you know that you know that God's endorsed and he's co-signed this plan for you, then it kind of nothing matters after that. And you just kind of walk it out in obedience and he deals with the, you know, he's a perfect, perfect at math. He deals with the multiplication. He deals with the, the growth. He deals with the outcome. And so let's talk about those six, um, like I said earlier, dimensions of masculinity, because we are in a world where it feels like, I don't know, the tail's wagging the dog, you know, and society's trying to take away our masculinity or they're trying to rename it or trying to put an adverb with it or a pronoun with it or do this sort of surgical maneuvering with our masculinity that's totally detached from what the Bible's intent was for masculinity. So you've got six here and I'm going to read them um, and we'll maybe we can hit them uh, all, you know, separately. You can kind of flow how you want to flow on these, but self-mastery, leadership, Although I will ask, are they in, in, are they in order on purpose, disorder on purpose? I'm just asking. Yeah, I put, they I put are? them in a specific order. Okay. I mean, right. I think you can rearrange some of them, but there, there's some that are non-negotiable, like okay. the self-mastery, self-leadership would always come first. Okay. Some of the other ones you could probably slide around a little bit. Okay. So self-mastery, leadership, communication, empathy, confrontation, and love. And uh, I'm going to put these in the notes and they're going to go by your book. So they'll have a front row seat to those, but kind of talk to us about how you came up with those six. Um, You know, they kind of just emerged to me as I was writing. I would just say that, you know, it was a download that I received as I was writing. I just started seeing this and this is where it was going. And I actually was getting like um, a symbol for each one, like a picture. And I partnered actually with an artist who became a really good friend of mine through this process. And he did some illustrations in the book. So the, I I really designed the book. I have the, I have the book right here for anyone watching the video, but I really designed it as something that if I gave this to you and you're getting one, John, that you'd want to keep it and not just give it away because it's, 
because it's something that's cool. That's something that you wanted. And, you know, there's artwork in it. And we really focus on bringing out these different aspects in the life of Jesus. So, you know, for anyone listening, I'll just show you like, here's one, the chisel, right? So if you can see that's, that's Jesus's hand there, he's chiseling. And that's the Very way, cool. way there's communication. So when we talk about self-mastery, um, the first thing I saw here is we see self-mastery is the measuring, the measuring rod. So we have this concept in the Bible of a standard that Jesus is the one. We see this in Revelation and we see this throughout the Old Testament. He's walking among the churches and he has a measuring reed in his hand. He's measuring because he builds everything according to his standard. That's the standard he measures by. So self-mastery is about, and you said this earlier, you're talking about the old man and the new man. We live out of our new creation identity, but we still have this old man that we're pushing down, right? Not everything, even though we're eternally secure and we're saved at the moment of salvation, yeah. uh, we still walk through this journey where it's more of him increasing and it's less of us, those carnal desires and that those fleshly appetites in us. So there's something we have to master within ourselves, and we don't do on our own strength. We do it in partnership with the Holy Spirit within us, but we have to lead ourselves first. So the first dimension of leadership is I have to know how to lead myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what this whole self-mastery portion is about. And we see Jesus model this perfectly. And, you know, we'll talk about diligence. We'll talk about discipline, um, restraint, the way he has a plan. We talked about temptations earlier. You know, yeah. Jesus has a plan to deal with temptations and remove himself from certain environments during different seasons of his life. Yeah. So we go pretty deep on the walk of a disciple and what that looks like to follow Jesus in that first section. Okay. All right. And so then uh, you went leadership, communication. Um, I guess you, you got empathy and empathy. I don't know. It I'm on board with it, but it just kind of seems like it stands out to me. It's not like every book I read has a chapter on empathy. Why was that important? Yeah. So right now in the world, in the leadership of the world, empathy is huge. And you're going to hear this new term, which is, it's not new so much anymore, but your listeners should know it because we know we have an IQ, but you also have an EQ and your EQ is your emotional quotient. And your EQ will actually determine how much money you can make, in my opinion, because it's people that know how to connect with others and know how to form a bond and build trust and establish rapport. Those are the ones that can command higher salaries. Those are the people in their industries that demonstrate high levels of EQ are the ones that are higher earners, right? So this is a trait that we need as men to learn how to, to not only just for our wives and our family, but also in business as well. So it's very applicable um, to your audience here. But EQ and this concept of empathy, of knowing how to relate to someone, understanding their viewpoint, informing this authentic bond of trust, and there's vulnerability in that. And there's this um, being to bond with someone where they see and they know that they're being seen and they're being heard. This is what Jesus does. He models this really well. And this is, there's actually, this is such an important topic right now because we're all tethered to our phones yeah. and we have so many distractions. And I know you talk about that. So, you know, how many times have we been out and you're talking to someone and they pick up their phone and they start scrolling through. I've done it. I'm guilty of it, right? Yeah. And we're so distracted and we're not in the moment. I actually said that was my pet peeve when someone's only about themselves or they, they can't be a two-way street. And Jesus models this deep level of listening, this deep level of understanding. And if we're going to connect this back to sharing our faith, I mean, I think it was Roosevelt who said this. I mean, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
So Jesus cares about people. He loves people, but not just like, hey, I, I got to give him this quick message and I'm out of here because I just got to check this box and fulfill this mission. Like he really cares. Yeah. You know, he's the good shepherd that leaves 99 for the one because he yeah. cares. So his empathy, his EQ, the way he forms bonds with people is is just at a whole nother level and such an example for the way we're so we're supposed to treat each other. Yeah, yeah. And if anybody had sort of a pass for not being empathetic because he was who he was and he could have just walked in and said, Hey, this is me. This is what I, I mean, everything I say happens, I can turn water into wine. You know, if anybody had a, a pass on not actually sitting down and listening to people because of the authority that he carried and, and just his, who he was like, he, he didn't have to, but, but, that just, to, I guess, reinforces the point of importance of empathy is huge because he he exhibited it. So we, at the very least, should. Um, I, and I also back to your point of that's that's the higher paid people. I think that's because, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but um, it, it's it's a subjective competency that differentiates people. I mean, we can sit here and we can have the same skill, we can have the same degrees, we can have the same experiences. But what's going to differentiate me to that next level, maybe pay, promotion, whatever is what you said. Those intangibles that maybe aren't coachable, just innate in me versus somebody else. And empathy, like you said, is one of them, that emotional quotient. Not everybody's got that. And it doesn't always show up, right, on a spreadsheet. Yeah, not everybody has it, but I believe you can get it if you desire it. Yeah. So you can be coachable. There's things you can do there, but you know, this, this, now we're getting to a growth mindset because if you have yeah. a fixed mindset that I can't change, I am who I am. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's, that's just the way it is. Then you're not going to change. But you know, when Jesus walks on the earth, he, his message is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And one of the root words, one of the root meanings of the word repent is to change your thinking. It's a do a 180, change everything, not just say yeah. a prayer once, but say the prayer, repent, actually mean it. But then turn with your actions. And part of that is your thoughts, change your thinking. And that embraces a whole new mindset. Um, so we, we do become disciples. And actually the word for disciple is a learner, someone who's always learning and progressively growing. So we have to take this growth mindset, which we see in the Bible first, mm -hmm. before all the research was done by psychologists, right? Jesus is there yeah. declaring it. And that's what embraces us to take on change and transformation. And that's what the Christian journey is about. It's this progressive transformation where I'm being conformed into his image. So yes, you can be trained on empathy. You can learn it. You can boost your EQ if you desire to. And the core of having a higher EQ is going to be self-awareness. Am I aware of how I'm how I am perceived? Am I aware of the way I'm speaking, how that comes off to other people? Am I aware of the way I'm making people feel around me? All these things encompass my self-awareness. And yeah. if you don't have self-awareness, you're going to be offensive. And you're, yeah. you know, we talked about favor earlier. If you want yeah. favor with men, you do have to be self-aware of what room am I in? Where am I? You know, we see Jesus tell this in all the parables. There's you know, it's always better to sit at the lowest seat and be called up to the highest seat. That's actually a man who's self-aware. That's someone who's not walking in and saying, oh, I should sit at the head of the table. I'd rather stay here. And if they call me up, then that's great. I'll go yeah. there. Yeah. So and, and we I mean, see this concept. Right out of, you know, the whole scripture that we stand on here at last in line is the Mark 935, where he who wants to be first will be last of all, servant of all. And I think that goes back to your point. I think you raise your EQ when you 
put someone else, like how can I serve them? And then am I bringing value? If, if I can have those two thoughts in the forefront of my mind when I'm in any situation, really, not just at work, if I can bring value and serve somebody, I think I'm ahead of the game. And I think that's where all these other qualities come. Um, and so let's, I, like I said, there's six, we may not be able to dissect every one of them, but I just because this one speaks to me and I'll ask you which one you struggle with the most, but I, this one speaks to me, but the confrontation one. So I, I mean, I told you my dad, you know, was, was a hard nosed guy and I just kind of grew up around those friends and relatives that we just always kind of razzed each other and confronted, you know, we weren't afraid. We didn't shy away from confrontation. Tell me about that one. Like the standard, you know, six dimensions of masculinity, masculinity demonstrated by Jesus confrontation. Talk to us why that's, why that's a Jesus characteristic, why it's a quality that he demonstrated. Wow. I mean, well, listen, we, we live in a day and age right now where we have like this concept of an alpha male and a concept of a beta male, right? Like a beta male right. will go along with anything. Yeah. Doesn't really speak up. It's basically the nice guy. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians were raised to be the nice guy. That's kind right. of what we see. And mm-hmm. that's definitely what the world thinks of us, right? Like, yep. oh, Christians, you're nice. Like you just, yep. you know, you take it, you'll just you'll get trampled on, you'll get walked on, you don't really stand up for yourself. And that's not necessarily what we see in the life of Jesus. So yeah, um, to be confrontative, to bring a confrontation, to stand for truth takes a lot of courage. It's much easier to sit back when something's happening versus get off the sidelines and voice your, use your voice um, or an action to bring liberation to something or someone. And this is what Jesus does. So, you know, we know he's the lamb and the lion. He has these two characteristics and predominantly, predominantly in his, in his first advent and his first mission on earth, he comes as the lamb. That's the predominant characteristics that we see um, because he comes and he's sacrificial and he lays it down. Right. And he's going to come back in the fullness, totally different. So in his second coming, he's coming back as a lion, but we see in his walk on earth, we see these characteristics of the lamb and the lion. And he's not a pushover. He's not a rollover. He's not some hippie walking around saying peace, love, and truth. I mean, he stands up to power. The two biggest systems of the day were the religious system, the Pharisees Mm -hmm. and Sadducees, and also the political system, which is Rome, the Roman empire. And Jesus can bring a confrontation to both. And where we see mostly this happen is with the religious system because they were doing all sorts of things, taking advantage of people, taking money, um, not living according to the law. Yep. And Jesus takes them the task. I mean, if you really read the gospels and take off your religious lens, you know, whatever your background is, whatever that stained glass window is, like just yep. lay all that down and just read it for what it is. You're going to see Jesus in the middle of the town square reprimanding power and telling them you're wrong or standing up for a woman who's caught in a sinful act and saying, you know, and just telling them, if you don't, if you have sin, then go ahead. You know, if you don't have sin, throw the first stone. He just takes them right on. It's like a punch in the face. And you know, what he calls them. I mean, this is really wild. This is what he's doing. Um, So he's a man of confrontation. It's always connected with truth. It's not just to, you know, just to speak up. It's always for a purpose because when he's confronting the religious system, it's because they're putting people in bondage and he won't stand for that. Um, When he's in silence and they ask him to speak, he speaks because he can't deny who he is. So he'll come clear and come clean on his identity. 
So he will speak, he'll bring a confrontation. He uses strength, it's courage, it's bravery. It's a great example for us as men to follow his leadership in this area. Yeah. And the meekness that people have confused with weakness is actually not. And it's really one of those just when you hear the term, don't poke the bear, you know, it's one of those where he's got this power that's under control. And then, then whenever they come to him, he's ready to confront the situation. I think a lot of times we, as guys think confrontation means I go pick a fight everywhere right. that, that there looks to be one. And that's not necessarily it, you know, yes, he, he was assertive where he needed to be, but I think a lot of times those people came to him and just kind of were poking at him trying to poke holes in his truth and then he confronted the situation like he was supposed to but so like i think that's a lesson for us and and i love that you put that in there like empathy and confrontation i like that man i like that you worded them that way use those words um which do you i was going to ask you which do you struggle with of these six which ones are you i guess continuing i mean we're always working on all of them let's just yeah. suffice that but which one do you struggle with would you say i'd say confrontation because I think it's, it's much easier to act for me. It's much easier to exercise empathy and listen and tune into someone and, and really be there. Confrontation always pushes us out of our comfort zone. I'm glad you brought this up because let's just define what confrontation is. It doesn't mean you're yelling. Yep. Confrontation doesn't mean you're fist fighting. Yep. It, it doesn't mean like, if you think it's like this battle scene, it could be that, but that's right. not necessarily what it is. Mm -hmm. So I look at confrontation. It, it's doing a hard thing. Um, that I don't necessarily want to do because it's difficult. So let's think about a relationship and a friendship, or there's something you need to correct. There's something you need to confront so you can bring a correction. So usually in the life of Jesus, we see whenever there's confrontation, it's because he's correcting something. It's not because he's a wild man who just wants to confront everybody. He's confronting something to bring truth. And that requires to address the error. Mm -hmm. So you're confronting to correct and to correct someone takes empathy at times. And it's a courageous conversation. It's not easy. It takes courage to pick up the phone and say, you know what, I got to make this right. Or it could be you saying, I got to ask for forgiveness because I was a jerk, right? You might have to confront someone about your own junk. You might have to confront them about the way they treated someone else or something that was unfair or unjust. So I think picking, I've been there picking up the phone, confronting an issue. I mean, especially men, we like to sweep things under the carpet. It's much easier to say, you know, I'm going to bury that, even though it's like there's an emotion tied to it. But like, I should eh, do that no. more. Honestly, I don't know that I come naturally at burying stuff. I wish I buried more. Okay, but but go ahead. No, I I, I got to get better at this. Yeah, I mean, these are these are two different men. I guess everyone has their own <laughs> meaning to which way they go. I mean, some guys just speak whatever they want, you know. So yeah, if yeah. if that's you and you don't have a filter and you're compelled and you can just fire off right away, hey, that's unjust. I need to correct that. I need to bring the like then maybe you probably need to add a little bit more empathy and you yeah. can just self-evaluate yourself because <clears throat> that's self-awareness, you know? <laughs> so everyone, let's do an exercise right now. Yeah. Do I need more empathy in my life or do I need more confrontation? Yeah. No and if you me. always need to be heard, if you're always trying to correct people and it's not really landing right, you probably need more empathy. Yeah. And if you have a lot of bottled up emotion or if you feel like you're being taken advantage of or you need to speak up, or you've been burying a lot of stuff and just carrying this burden around with you and you're, you're about to explode, you know, or yeah. it expresses itself in anger or different ways, you probably need to learn how to healthy, in a healthy way, confront those issues and emotions. Yeah, because that's, that's just as toxic. 
yeah, to yeah. me, they can be just as equally toxic, you know, depending on oh, what totally. extreme you're going on, because let's face it, the guy that buries everything that's going to manifest at some point in another destructive pattern or behavior, just as much as confronting everything is. So yeah, I think there's a middle ground and, and you end it out, you know, you round out the six with love. And, and I think if you, you factor that in to some of those reactions that we're talking about, and some of those ways we demonstrate masculinity, if we factor the love component in there, I think we can balance out and, and do these correctly because we do have a right heart posture behind how we react to a situation. So, yeah, I mean, man, I, I, I love the fact that you hit these the way you hit them. And I am looking forward to getting that book and um, the standard, which is what it's called. But tell us a little bit about your podcast and then maybe... I don't know. Give us a couple closing comments to maybe uh, equip the guys and encourage the guys as yeah, we close. Ab yeah, absolutely. So let, let me give you the premise, and this will also be to equip you and encourage you. But the premise of the book, we I, I didn't mention this, and this is really the starting point, is that Jesus is the Son of God. He's 100% God. He's the Son of God. But when he walks the earth, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. So he is 100% God but he walked the earth as a man, 100% man and God at the same time. And what I find is that so many times, guys, as you're listening to this, we relate to Jesus as the son of God. Actually, if you look at Christian books out there and Christian messages that most Christian men resonate with in the topic of biblical manhood, biblical masculinity, it's usually from the life of David or it's from, you know, a different biblical character because we can relate to them because they have failure in their life. Mm -hmm. And we can see like, oh, he, he failed. He's like me and God still restores him. So we draw on all these different biblical characters and we put Jesus in this box and we're just like, you know, he's a son of God. You know, I love him. I worship him. He's the Lord, but I don't really relate to him. And the message of the standard is that he walks the earth as 100% man and 100% God, and he limits his deity. He limits, not his deity, but he limits his power yeah. um, to walk the earth as a man. He's tempted in every single way as we are. He lives this human existence as a man, and he models for us what perfect manhood looks like. So this is a standard that we're called to live to. Mm -hmm. And that's really the premise of where we come from is that we're following Jesus as he leads us as the, the perfect man, the ultimate man. And he's the standard that we're called to follow. So that's the premise mm -hmm. that we're coming from. So what I love when, when guys read the book, you know, the comments I get that I love the most are, you know, you just made Jesus so relatable. I can picture him, you know, in the daily grind, just like me, you know, for 30 years of his life, he had to go punch the clock and he had to work customer service and he built things with his hands and he had to go through everything that we went through, except he never sins. That's the big difference there. Um, so he's really relatable. He's accessible to us and we can draw from his life. We can draw from him as a living Lord in our life right now. Yeah. So I want that to, to really stay with the listeners of that's what the message of the standard is. Um, you know, in, in terms of the podcast, I'll just bring this to my journey. You know, I didn't do the podcast right away. I did the book. And then after I felt the need that I, I really have to release this. And that was overcoming fear for me as well, to put your voice out there and to refine your message and say, hey, I'm carrying something that I want to release to the men that need to hear this. Um, so it's been an incremental stair step of me stepping into my destiny and journey as I put my voice out there. And the podcast is really for ambitious Christian men. If you're an ambitious Christian guy, 
There's a lot of mixed messages on, can I be ambitious? What's that look like? The world tells me to do it this way. They're saying rise and grind and hustle hard. And you're telling me a little bit of a different way. So for guys that want to crush it in every area of life, but they don't want to compromise and get sucked into listening to the wrong voice. Um, that's why I started my podcast. You know, Jesus says, I actually have an episode called don't subscribe, but there, there's a, something Jesus says that really sticks with me where he says, be careful for how you hear. Mm. So take heed to how you listen. And there's so many voices right now. Yeah. We don't have any shortage of books, blog articles, podcasts, yeah. um, voices in my feed telling me I need to do this, or I need to get this, or I need to have this, or I need to be this. And that can be very distracting. And there can be some truth in those messages. But I, as a Christian man, under the Lord's leadership, I have to be very careful with what I allow into my spirit and who I decide to listen to. Perfect. And that's why what you're doing is very important, John. I mean, last in line leadership, I applaud you for stepping out because this is a great outlet for men to hear a voice that's filtered um, through a biblical lens, because there's a lot of good stuff in the world, but you know what happens? I got to try and find the meat. I got to spit out the bones. I got to try right. and like take the good with the bad. Um, you might feel a little bit dirty after hear some of the vulgarity and some of yeah. the other platforms and the way they're talking and what they're saying and Hey, it's, it's kind of good. And this was great. But then, so we need yeah. more voices like you. We need more voices that are emerging to show men the way to be inspiration, to encourage each other. And, uh, that's what I'm doing with raising the standard. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely are. I appreciate you, you saying that, man. And it's been, it's been an honor to get to know you and hear your story and, and actually bring you on the podcast, man. I, I appreciate you, uh, being available. Um, we, we all got to dig into that book because I love the, the the picture of your you know the actual artwork of the the podcast raising the standard and the flag and 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 you know i think the metaphor of planting our flag as christian men is is very relevant today we especially need to find that hill that we're willing to die on from a moral compass standpoint from a standard that models christ standpoint and 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 bring our families along for the ride bring the people at work along for the ride and just be the example which is what you're doing so i really appreciate it audience he's been josh cachadori and we've been last in line be blessed make your escape <laughs>